Welcome to another message from Graceway Baptist Church on Capitol Hill. You can find more about us by visiting gracewaydc.com or find Graceway DC on social media. Happy Father's Day from Graceway. Last week, we learned the importance of ensamples and examples in Christian growth. This week, we hear from one great ensample. Pastor Brad Wells shares insights he has learned as a father and as a son in a message from Psalm 127 called Raising Kids Who Rise Above. The recipe is a strong archer, straight arrows, and sure aim. Now here's Pastor Brad Wells with this week's message from Graceway. Happy Father's Day, everybody, and welcome to Graceway. Let's take our Bibles, if you would, go to the book of Psalms, the book of Psalms. Actually, the book of Psalms is the Jewish uh, songbook, and it's divided into five different segments, more than just chapters, uh, but five different books of the Psalms. We're right in nearly the middle, Psalms 127. It has five verses. It's actually one of the songs of ascent. And we'll describe that in a little bit, in just a little bit here. But I don't think we need to uh, bring out the fact that there is an attack on the home. And that attack on the home is centered, is focused on attack, on the attack on fatherhood. Now, oftentimes there's good reason. I think uh, we as fathers often have failed. Uh, there's um, a lot of reasons that uh, uh, we as dads, we'd, we'd be able to cite more than other people, and that's, that's an embarrassing fact. However, the Bible does command us to honor our fathers. And so today, uh, as a father, I honor my father. And no matter uh, how good or um, how painful uh, your uh, personal experience in the home was, uh, your duty now as a follower of Christ is to honor your parents, honor your mother, honor your father. And certainly nobody's perfect. And uh, when it comes your turn, my turn, our turn uh, to play the man, to play the woman, to play uh, that very vital, important job of of mentoring, of leading we will also be painfully aware of our own failures. When I was growing up, the wealthiest man uh, that the world had ever seen was not Bill Gates or Elon Musk, although they soon would come on the scene, but it was a man by the name of J. Paul Getty. How many of you remember him, J. Paul Getty? The wealthiest man the world had ever seen at the time in that day he had about $4 billion, with a B, uh, dollars in uh, controlling assets of about 200 different companies. Uh, he's ha- famous for saying, uh, the meek will inherit the earth, but not the mineral rights. That's what he came about. He made his money in the oil company and in, as you would guess, mineral, mineral rights. Um, he also is famous for having said, I have never envied anyone in the world except for those that can make a marriage work. And he was married five different times and was alienated uh, both from all of his spouses and died alone and his children. 
and he he lived his life in pursuit of of money and by his own confession died a miserable old man his own definition of failure and that was the world's wealthiest man when i was growing up ever you don't want to fail you want to succeed you want to succeed and you can succeed. Turn to your neighbor and say, you don't want to fail, you want to succeed. You want to succeed and you can succeed. You can be what God wants you to be. Now, Psalms 127 is actually uh, a psalm, uh, one, of the psalm, one of the 15 psalms of ascent written by David to Solomon. And as you remember, Sol- uh, Solomon would become the world's wealthiest man. David had really laid a, a strong and good foundation and wanted to build a temple to the Lord. Uh, but God said, no, your hands are bloody hands. You have, you have been a man of war and fought, and uh, his life was filled with uh, disgrace and sin, although he had a heart after God. And that's a, a beautiful thing that that uh, God looks at your heart and my heart. And, and, and many of the things... Uh, and the horrible elements of our lives can be overcome as we confess and submit. And that was David's secret. Uh, he would confess and get right. Uh, even the, the great story of Nathan the prophet had to come in and confront him and say, thou art the man. And then he would fall down and, and confess and get right. And the whole kingdom knew of his confession and return to God's way. Well, there's... 15 songs of ascent or degree, often they're called, and they correspond with the 15 great steps that led up uh, to the temple and the place of worship. And they began at what the water source for Jerusalem, which is the Gihon Spring, that Hezekiah later, Hezekiah came after Solomon, later would, um, would make a tunnel called Hezekiah's Tunnel, and it would go all the way down to a pool. Does anybody know the name of that pool? It's the Pool of Siloam, the Pool of Siloam. And, and um, later Jesus would perform some miracles there. And recently, the Pool of Siloam has been uncovered. It's there right at the, the end of Hezekiah's tunnel. As a matter of fact, just last week, my wife and I walked down uh, from uh, the uh, uh, Gihon Spring down Hezekiah's Tunnel and came out at the Pool of Siloam, and I washed in the Pool of Siloam. And by the way, next year we're going to go to Jerusalem. If you want to come with us to Jerusalem, we're going to go. I want you to come. When we got to the bottom there, there was two paths that came up. There were several options that you could do. You were in the city of David, which is just outside the walled city of Jerusalem. And you could catch a bus to go back into uh, Jerusalem, or you could uh, walk back that way. Or there was two other paths that had been recently uncovered. One is actually right here. And um, let's see, let's bring that, that picture up here. Is that ready? There it is. These are stones. This is the path that would have been exposed that Jesus would have walked on 2,000 years ago. Now, this is just a mural next to it. And this is some scaffolding and steel that they've, and they've just recently uncovered this path. 
2,000 years old, it, it's all still f- fit together. I mean, 2000, this is better than our freeway systems now today, and they were just built 10 years ago. This is 2,000 years old. You can walk this path. Jesus would have walked this path. Anyways, and the Pool of Siloam here is depicted in this little mural and people going up, uh, ascending up. And so in Judaism, it's called a mikvah, any um, major uh, decision that you make in life, you will wash in in the in the pool, just uh, dip there in the pool, and then come out. A ceremonial cleansing. You wouldn't use soap or anything like this; just a ceremonial thing. And then they would walk up to the temple. Now, these psalms, uh, Psalms 120 to a Psalms 134, are all called the songs of degrees or the song of ascent. And the this this street is actually well this is very narrow right now but the street is actually 210 feet wide and there would be alternating steps there were 15 large steps that were 34 inches across and then there would be 15 um, smaller steps that were approximately 12 inches across so you would it's alternating and on those wide steps the priests as they were carrying the water from uh, the spring, Gihon Spring, up to the temple, they would stand and they would sing these psalms, Psalms 120 to a Psalm 134. They would sing them as they're going up. And the one we're going to look at today was written by a father, David, for his son, Solomon, and it is the secret to an enduring kingdom. And if there's ever a time that we need to look at this in a very serious way, it's today. You know that there is an attack on the home. There's an attack on our country. And if something's not done, our country will fail. By the way, in in Sunday school, the last hour, we just looked at um, Zerubbabel and how God had uh, used this man um, to uh, use Cyrus to, to... restore the kingdom in Israel after they had been in exile in Babylon for 70 years. And so God will hold us accountable. But David is giving Solomon, who's about to reign, the secret. And so I want you to take this as fathers. Uh, Fathers in the house today, I want you to really dial in and take this as your secret. There's five verses here. I want to give you three points from these five verses. And maybe the Lord will give you something that I don't even say. But this is the very word of God. It's inexhaustible. It is so rich. It is so deep. There is There is a wealth of information, and God has preserved it for 3,000 years for us to devour today. In these five verses, there is a house built, a city kept, a night of rest, a family received, a man prepared, a life enjoyed, and a generation empowered. Now, I would like to read Psalms 127, verses 1 through 5 for us now. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Now, notice God is building, but he's building through the laborers. There's a part that God must do, and there's a part that we must do, and one is not the substitute for the other. We must labor, but it's God that builds. Then it continues, except the Lord keep the city, 
the watchman waketh in vain. So it's God that keeps the city, but there must be a watchman and he must be awake. But without God, it's empty. It's uh, hollow to uh, stir yourself up. Verse number two, it's vain for you to rise up early to sit up late. Now this is the, this is the element of progress and going forward, construction. It's vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows. Uh, this is uh, regret. This is saying, this is embracing the anxiety of, of um, opportunities lost. Uh, why is it vain to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows? The end of verse number two, for he, that's God, giveth his beloved sleep. That is, God will give you that night of rest. By the way, many upwardly mobile people that are making incredible progress, either politically or financially or in some other way, find it very difficult to sleep and will, will turn to various substances to gain uh, the ability to turn off the switch. And so we struggle to turn on the switch and struggle to turn off the switch. And that's what David is saying to and for Solomon. He's saying, listen, it's vain to try to do this in, with the absence of God. We are made for the presence of God. And so fathers, you need God. You need God. Verse number three. Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord. And this is more of the same. It's God that's giving. Children are an heritage of the Lord. And the fruit of, of the womb is his reward. Verse number four, and this is the concept we're going to focus on today. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Verse five, happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them, that is, children. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. Now, this is very significant. As a matter of fact, as we toured through Israel, and the name of our tour actually was called Dan to Beersheba, and we went all over the place. There were several days that we um, got in more than 30,000 steps, which is, I think it's like 13 miles or something like that. We walked and walked and walked. We kind of thought it was going to be kind of a glamorous type holiday and just relax, and we took way too much luggage. As a matter of fact, Tom told me, he says, the secret to a great vacation is um, you get your, your money and your, and your clothes and lay it out, and then you analyze your, your money and your clothes. You need to put back half your clothes and take twice as much money. And, and that would have been good for us to do. <laughs> but our trip was, was more of a, a backpacker's trip. It was uh, a run and gun, live and learn. And we went from place to place just as fast as we could retain it. And, we, and we, I would take off my shoes and I would stand on these rocks. I'm not missing this opportunity. Now, other things I, I, I wasn't so concerned about. But these are the sacred places I have read about in the Bible for 50 years. And they're right there for you to see. And I thought about Moses when he saw the burning bush. And the Bible says that he turned aside. And when he turned aside, the Lord spoke to him. And I found that the more I turned aside and looked, 
the more I heard and felt the word of the Lord. And so we're going to go in Israel. That's that's uh, more political work I need to do. I need to do some more lobbying and stir up a, a group to go. I want you to come. It will build your faith if you can afford it and put back half your clothes, double your money and come. Basically, this psalm is saying that dads are to be mighty warriors and children are to be straight arrows, skillfully shot forth by the hand of the father. The implication of this psalm really is when dads take aim, the kids will successfully hit the mark. The arrow is no more effective than the warrior who shoots it. The bow is not better than the man who holds it in his hand. And that last verse, verse number five, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. As we toured Jerusalem, we saw city after city, and one of the main things is is the gate. The gates of the city were built with these colossal stones, and they still stand, thousands of years old, and they're right there where they were. And you could see where they would set up these stone benches built into the gates, and they're still there. And all these great stories and and, and, and people would, you would think about the people that would pass through the gate. And the concept here, of course, there was no aircraft or air force or anything like that. And so an enemy had to come through the gate. But the great danger is not when the enemy comes with swords and spears and arrows and brute force. The greatest danger is when the enemy comes to the gate and convinces the next generation that they're not the enemy. And that's what verse 5 is saying, that the successful generation will teach and instruct and empower the next generation that they can stand and speak with the enemies in the gate. And the enemies don't come into the city, and they keep them at the gate in negotiation. This is how to alleviate war. This is how to maintain the integrity of a generation. This is how to raise your home and and have the safety of a home. How to continue um, with the blessing of God. Now, I want to give you the three points here that uh, that I've prepared for you. Number one, I want you to notice the strong archer the strong archer. Now, I have always had a curiosity with archery, and my great legacy began when I was very, very young, and I got a little yellow bow and arrow with red-tipped arrows. How many of you began a legacy similar to that, a little plastic bow? With Am I the only one? Brother Butler did. Okay, okay, good. We were the archers together. Brother Harvey, you did as well? All right, good. Everybody's shy with the hands today. I don't know. And I would shoot that thing all over the place. And, and then later when I was 12, I, um, I got a, a hunting bow. And we, uh, my dad, um, um, it was a compound bow, so it was adjustable. And, and he put it down on the lowest pound setting. So it was, a, I believe it was a 40-pound to a 65-pound bow. Put it down to the 40-pound, and I could barely pull it back. And then as I grew a little bit stronger, he'd tighten it up, tighten it up, and I would... I'd shoot those arrows, and and uh, we would set up hay bales out by the barn, and and it was a uh, it was a lot of fun. And actually, to this day, I still have a bow. Now I've got a very nice bow, um, 
for, for hunting and and it's a great bow it's a very powerful bow very accurate but i you know it stays in the case and it just sort of sits there i'm not sure why i have it anymore but here's the strong archer and notice that air as arrows are in the hand of what kind of a man it's a mighty man and this is a warrior that's right it's a warrior and so are the children of the youth now I'm speaking to dads here today, and a lot of our dads are, are gone uh, honoring their fathers, and I appreciate and honor them for doing that. Uh, but I want to speak specifically to fathers that there is a day when your arrows, that is your children, are in your hand. And don't miss that day, because that day doesn't last that long. And um, the father here in Psalm 127, are given the legacy of, of shooting these arrows and the trajectory that they go. And complications are, are not an excuse. They do not diminish uh, the responsibility of the archer. They only increase it. And some of those complications would be wind. Some of those complications... Um, would be brush either uh, where the archer is standing or maybe where the target is. And all of that must be brought into accountability. So the, the, the strong archer is to shape, is to sharpen, and to shoot the arrows hitting the desired target. The strong archer. Now, let me give you the second point. The second point <laughs> follows right along with that is the straight arrows. And this is the preparation of, of children, that is, rearing children. And, and maybe the title of our sermon today, Raising Kids to Rise Above. Raising Kids to Rise Above. And you cannot shoot straight with crooked arrows. Um, there is a great problem in our world today and I think Scripture accurately lays much of the blame at the feet of the fathers. Now, obviously, some would be to the mothers, but it's not Mother's Day, it's Father's Day. And so men, we have responsibility. I have responsibility. And, and then the Bible clearly says, and so we shall all give account of ourselves to the Lord. So there's individual responsibility. Certainly, uh, we can't put all the blame on our fathers and uh, you as a father today, either watching or uh, in attendance with us, God does not lay all the blame at your feet. But certainly, Psalms 127, God is saying uh, through the pen of David, uh, there is something that you can do. And delinquent dads or misguided moms, listen, um, we need to realize the greatest commodity in the world today are, is the souls of men and women, specifically the lives, the souls of our children, the, the ones that God entrusts us with. Notice a few verses here and maybe jot these down. Ephesians chapter 6 in verse number 4. Ephesians 6 in verse number 4 says, and ye fathers... Provoke not your children to wrath. Now, this is the great sin that fathers uh, commit. And I have committed this sin. It's a terrible sin. I confess it. it it's not good. But I, I uh, either get mad or I get over-domineering or over-controlling. 
And instead of um, improving the lives of, of my children and those around them, I actually infuriate them and I provoke them to anger and they get them mad and you don't want to be mad at dad. So be careful, provoke not your children to wrath, but let's say the last part together, but bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Now, this is, this is huge. Notice that phrase, bring them up. And that's our whole focus today, raising kids that rise above. And God says to fathers, bring them up. We need to bring up people. And so people are downcast, people are down. We need to bring them up. And it's not just music. It's not just fun. It's not just entertainment. There's two specific things that this verse cites, the nurture and the admonition. The nurture. Uh, nurture is like nourishment. It's emotional. It's uh, instruction, spiritual instruction. It's nurturing and caring for them and admonishing and helping them, not provoking them, not getting them angry. Very similar passage, Colossians chapter 3 and verse number 21. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. We live in a discouraged world. And so fathers, and, and let me say uh, young men, single young men as well, uh, focus your attention. I am going to be a good father. I, I made that decision. I set that as one of my highest goals uh, while I was still single, before I ever even met my wife, I said, this, that's what I want to do. And, and you don't want to be somebody that's always infuriating others. You know that personality, and I think it's a little bit in each one of us, uh, but it's easier to see in others. But So let's talk about others, okay? Um, that person that you meet, they just always seem to get everybody mad, no matter what what's going on, they just sort of infuriate everybody. And, and they could be asking for coffee, but it just, just grinds on you. And so dads, we have to be careful not to provoke our children to anger. We don't want to see them discouraged. Proverbs 22 and verse number six, you should have this highlighted in your Bible, written down. This is key. Any parent and um, I, I think everybody ought to um, ought to try to uh, be a parent or at least play the role of a parent, um, uh, fathering, nurturing, mothering uh, people around them and helping others. But here it is: train up a child in the way he should go. Notice, train up. This is it's all up. God wants. Uh, uh, children to be not cast down, but to be brought up in the way he should go. And when he's old, he will not depart from it. And this is the element of training. Now, I like nurturing things. Um, for Father's Day, my kids bought me a, an aquarium. Now, I already have a small aquarium, but this aquarium is large. They bought this colossal big aquarium and it is sitting on the kitchen floor. And my wife was looking at it going, oh my goodness, what are we going to do with that? But we are excited about this. I, I'm not sure what's going to, I love uh, to nurture and, and plants. I love to train plants. Now training plants means kind of sculpting them and helping them, directing them to succeed and to grow. So uh, grapevines or ivy or something, it's it's called when it's uh, shaped around the windows or crawling up uh, a lattice or on the, on the wall. It's called training it. 
And that's what we should, and that's what we're all seeking, somebody to mentor us and help us succeed. I think everybody, everybody should be seeking a mentor, somebody to nourish them, to nurture them, and train them to take the next step. I'm actively pursuing that. I'm actively doing that. I call mentors. I wait for them to call me. Um, I, I pray, Lord, send them. They, they never call. So I call them. And, and that's what I want to encourage you to do. Find somebody that will help nourish you and train you up to that next level of potential. But let me give you nine things here, nine just short little things. Uh, as a single person, this is what you need to do. And certainly as fathers and mothers, and, and I don't want, if, if you have, if you have failed in any way, and I have failed, and everybody has failed in some way, don't be cast down. And uh, brother, brother Kevin and I were just talking, Brother Kevin's in the overflow room, but we were uh, talking uh, just before church, and he said, you know, I'm aware of some of the things that I didn't do right, and I chimed in and said, well, at least somebody is. No, I, I didn't. I actually chimed in and said, yeah, me too. And he said, but I believe that anybody that submits to themselves to the Lord and gives themselves to the things of God, God will give them a fresh start. God will give them new energy. God will give them new strength and new opportunities. And so if you feel like you've missed or messed up just a little bit, don't be totally cast down. Realize that God will give you new opportunities. But number one of our, of our little thing, start young. Start young with the training of your children. And, and here's why you should start young. There's the, the element of inquisitiveness. Little kids, they're so inquisitive. They're curious. They want to know. And so start young. Uh, the retention element is very high. They, they remember. I mean, kids, they, they learn the whole language in like two years, right? They learn everything. They remember. Now, me, I can't even, what am I doing? I don't know. I don't know. I forgot. So the inquisitive element, the retention element, the confidence element is high. Now, it's not so much confidence in themselves, but confidence in you. Little kids have incredible confidence in their fathers. So even I'm speaking to single people or very young fathers, uh, to uh, fathers that are nearly uh, completed their work, realize the confidence in you is very, very high. And the fourth little element there is the uh, arrogance element is very low. Kids are humble. They're not ashamed to ask why. Adults were ashamed to ask why. We come into something, we have no idea what's going on. And they say, uh, do you have any questions? No, I'm, I got it. Yeah, we have no idea. We're so arrogant and stuff full of ourselves. And, but kids, they're why, 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 why? So start young. And grandparents, let me encourage you to help. Just as much as young parents will let you, help them, encourage them on what to do. Um, start young. Number two, use the moments. Now, I want to give you this verse, Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse number 7. And here's God's command. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. And it's talking about the admonition of the Lord. So parents, you're supposed to teach these things to your children. And thou shalt talk with them in a perfect setting in the classroom. No, that's not what it says. It says four things. When thou sittest in thy house. 
Now, oftentimes when we we're sitting around in the house, we don't think of that as the perfect time. And God is saying that's the perfect time when you're just sitting there in your house. And when thou walkest by the way, that is when you're traveling, you're sitting in the car. And when thou liest down, time for bed. And when thou risest up, time to get up. Those are the four main times. Now you would think those aren't the perfect times. All but they are. Those are the daily installments. And the Bible says about teaching little by little, line upon line, precept upon precept. Here a little, there a little. Don't overlook the little things, the little things. Here's the third one. First one, start young. Second one, use the moments. Number three, build integrity. Build integrity or character. Build integrity or character. Now, a little crowd participation, if you would. Let's name a few key uh, character elements or uh, parts of integrity that we would like to see in our in our church, in our society, in our homes. Who's got one? Yes, sir. Okay, that's right. Doing what's right when no one's looking. Somebody else. Honesty. Speaking the truth, keeping your word, courage, discipline. Good, good, discipline. Come on, we need more. Give me some more. Give me some more. Faithfulness. That's great. Trust, faithfulness. Come on, a few more. Yeah. Patience. Yeah, patience. Diligence. Generosity. Good. Good. What was that? All right. Good. So here's all these elements we need to um, we need to teach, we need to model, we need to reward. Don't just reward uh, making money or uh, baseball or football or winning the debate, but character. Character is what counts. Um, honesty and integrity is better than an A. Integrity and character. Number four, set restraints. Number four, set restraints. The story of Eli in 1 Samuel chapter 3 and verse number 13 tells us the grim tale of how he was the, uh, the speaker to all of Israel, but... For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knoweth. He knows what's going on in his own house because his sons made themselves vile and he restrained them not. This is the priest Eli and his sons Hophni and Phinehas and he didn't restrain them. And he knew about it. He knew about it. God said, I'm going to judge him. I'm going to hold him accountable. He held the sons accountable as well. But set restraints. You know, in Psalm chapter 1, uh, we probably all bring that up there. Psalm 1 and verse number 1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. This is the blessed life. Blessed also could be translated happy. This is how to find joy. And it's three elements of restraint. It's not do this, but it's don't do this. 
Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. So set restraints and set them early. I want to encourage you to set restraints for your kids. You know, there's several different lifestyle levels. The first and the lowest is the pursuit of pleasure. That's what animals pursue. And that's what we pursue as well. We pursue pleasure. If it feels good, do it. Uh, enjoy life. And that's the lower part of our nature. Um, kids are born into that, and they must be taught to overcome that. You don't just get straight arrows. That archer would take the 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 cedar stick or the reed or whatever it was, and he would harden it with, with fire and heat, sometimes adding a little bit of resin, and uh, harden it over the flame. And if it was a little bit bent or a little bit bowed, they'd, they'd heat the one side and it would expand to the other, and, and hopefully he would get that arrow just perfectly straight. And that's what our society needs is some straight arrows that are hardened and strong and true, that have restraints. And so when somebody says, try it, you might like it. He said, it's not for me. I'm, I'm going to rise above. I'm going to succeed. But you might like it. Well, that's the whole point. I'm not going to do that because I, I might like that. And I don't want that. I've restrained myself. The lowest level is just pursuing pleasure. But there's another level. It's higher than that. It's popular in Western society. It's, we often call it making a living. And maybe sometimes we'll use that as an excuse for doing something we don't necessarily believe in. Well, you got to make a living. And sometimes making a living is, um, is just per, uh, pursuing personal gain material wealth, uh, the next place of prominence, the next layer of promotion, whatever it is. Watch out for that. That, that is very selfish. Uh, pursuing pleasure, that's what the hedonists do. And just making a living and looking for uh, personal gain and accumulation that's, that's just pure selfishness. The, the highest level is when you start working out of character and out of discipline, and you do things that you don't necessarily want to do today, but it's part of your goals, and it's part of what you believe in, and even though it's painful and I don't necessarily want to do it right now, I will do it. And that is what needs to be modeled by you as a parent and taught and in, instilled in your children uh, while they're still young. And maybe we could call that making a difference. I'm going to make a difference. I am not just going to make a living. I'm not just going to pursue pleasure. It's not just fun and games. It's not just what I like. But is this going to make a positive difference in my life? Is this going to make a positive difference in the society in which I live? Is this going to help my nation? Or uh, according to Psalms 127, is this going to help that next generation stand and confront the enemy in the gate? The fifth element, build relationships. 
Parents build a relationship, a strong mothers, fathers build a relationship. Now in our Western society, we are very focused on, on excellence, and, and that's excellent, that's good. But sometimes we're very distant, and so dad's always gone, mom's always distant and gone. Do whatever you can to build relationships. You should have a relationship with your children. They should have a relationship with each other. Now, many of us in the room would have to join the, the, the negative song of, yeah, I, I felt distant from dad or mom or I'm estranged from my siblings. That's not good and that's not normal. That's not God's plan. I believe God's plan is that you are, you are best friends with your siblings, that you are near best friends with your parents. And I would say that a parent's job is not primarily to be friends, but to be the parent and the instructor, which means sometimes being the bad guy. And, and dad, don't be afraid of being the bad guy. That will come back to you in respect if you will do it in love. Do what's right. Build relationships. Number six, give responsibility. Give responsibility. You know, those two elements, relationship and responsibility, it's some of the greatest desires that we have. Matter of fact, if your kid was to go um, get a job wherever, and you were to say, hey, how was your day? What happened? And they were to brag and be proud about something, they wouldn't talk about probably the time off, but they would probably talk about the boss trusted me with this and the boss asked me to lock up and close. Whoa, that's cool. Or uh, to do the final receipts at the cash register or to, you know, uh, uh, just verify something, responsibility. And so I want to admonish and encourage you have both relationship and responsibility there in your home. Determine, young people, determine we are going to have a system of relationship and responsibility and advancement. Number seven, make the home a happy place. And we're talking about how to have children that, that rise, above, uh, rise above, raising children that rise above. We're talking about these straight arrows. Make the home a happy place. Now, we just talked about responsibility, but watch out for just overburdening everybody. Where, You know, a lot of homes, whether it's single people, married people, or, or families, the, the extra money or the extra time is spent trying to escape reality rather than to change and build reality. Much of our vacations are are simply escapes. And so we go and we're entertained over here and we're entertained over there and we come back to the same place and nothing's different. I want to encourage you to build your home. Spend money, spend time to make it a better place. Make it what you want. Make it what you believe in. Make it what you like. Make it happy. Proverbs 15 and verse 13 says, a merry heart maketh a cheerful countenance, but by sorrow of heart the spirit is broken. You don't want your kids to have a broken spirit. They should have a very 
very alive, bouncy attitude, if, if possible. Make home a happy place. And it'll take a little creativity, but you can do it. You can do this. Turn to your neighbor and say, you can do this. You can do it. Turn to, that was not very much turning. Turn to your neighbor. You can do this. You can do this. Make home a happy place. Um, Proverbs 15 in verse number 15. All the days of the afflicted are evil. Now, parent, there will be a time that you need to afflict your children and they've done wrong. Discipline, that's terrible. Uh, that's, that's the terrible job that you have to do sometimes. But don't make that all the time. You're going to have to work hard to catch them doing good, okay? Don't work hard to catch them doing bad. Work hard to catch them doing good. All the days of the afflicted are evil, but he that is of a merry heart hath a continual feast. And that's what you want. You want a continual feast. You want a happy home. And you can have a happy home. Number eight, make God a priority. Make God a priority. Go on vacation, but don't take a vacation from God. Come to church. Um, give to the missionary and give to this project and, and sacrifice and tell your kids about it. I remember my dad said, hey, there's a family in the church and uh, uh, he lost his job and they don't have any money and they're staying in this uh, travel trailer that they borrowed from somebody over in this other guy's house. And I was thinking it's almost Christmas time. What if we took our Christmas money and gave it to them? Well, the three of us boys, my mom and dad were nervous about this. But they were surprised when we were stoked and we were genuinely pumped. We were like, yeah, let's do this. Yeah. And we wanted to give. Mom and dad were like, well, okay. <laughs> and, and we gave and it was, we were so excited. I remember the day that we drove and dad was going to make the presentation, give it to him uh, secretly. And his name was John. And, uh, and, and we went in and they had a bunch of kids and we were all kind of playing and he gave it to them. We were stoked. We were so excited. What were we excited about? About giving, about making God a priority, giving through the, th to, through the Lord to the people. Number nine and the last one here, pray consistently. Pray consistently. Now, I think that's the whole thrust of Psalm 127. We have in verse one, the laborers, but... It's not going to work unless God builds. We have the watchers watching, but it's not going to work unless God keeps the city. It's vain for you to rise up early. Who's that? That's somebody that's getting up ready to go. It's vain for you to stay up late. That's somebody that's you know burning the midnight oil, trying to get stuff done. Why? God gives sleep. God's going to help you. And so have your faith in God and pray. Keep on praying. I want to encourage you, keep praying for the salvation of your kids. Keep praying. You don't know what's going on in those little hearts and those little minds. You don't even know what's going on in your own mind half the time. Keep praying for their salvation. Keep praying that God does miracles and, and keep positive things before them. Make the home happy. The third point I gave you, the first one is the strong archer. The second one, the straight arrows and now number three, the sure aim, the sure aim of the archer. You know, it's really no good to have sharp arrows and a, and a powerful bow if you have no aim. And I believe 
that parents determine much of the potential of the children. I believe that God wants children to stand on the shoulders of their parents, to go further um, for centuries and centuries. Mothers and fathers would raise their kids and whatever the dad was good at, whatever the mom was good at, the kids just picked that up. They had it down by the time they were five. And they were able to advance and take that to the next level. Now, too often, we relinquish that to other professionals and hand that over. Be very careful about that. Be very, very careful about that. In uh, 3 John chapter 1 and verse number 4, it says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. And that's one of the greatest joys that anybody can have. Not that you got your house paid off or you got a new car or I got a boat. That's not the greatest joy. The greatest joy is that things continue. That's what David was saying. Solomon, in this song of degree or song of ascent, I want things to continue. I want this kingdom to advance. Now, realize this, that arrows are not to be protected, but they're to be projected. And this is the shot of the archer. The archer's goal is not to collect arrows, but it's to hit the mark and to shoot them out there. You know, one of the greatest problems that archers have is when they pull the bow, they don't bring the string and the fletch of the arrow close enough to them, and they'll make the mistake of keeping it over here or a half draw or something like that. Or Actually, what they teach you to do is bring it right to the corner of your mouth and put the, uh, the thumbnail that's holding the arrow right to the corner of your mouth. I think that's significant. That's what you're saying. It's right close to you, right in tight. Guard your mouth. Watch what you say. The foolish saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me, is it's just not true. Words hurt much worse than sticks or stones or broken bones. Now, we're talking today about fathers and Father's Day. And there's a lot of people hurting out there. But the same one that wrote this psalm, David, to his son, for his son Solomon, Psalm 127, also said this, Psalms 27 and verse number 10. When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. Do you remember David? He had all those brothers. Samuel the priest came to town, to Bethlehem. But David wasn't called for. The priest came to town. David was out taking care of sheep. Samuel said, oh, it's got to be this one. He's got that look. God said, no, that's not him. Jesse, is there any more? Yeah, here's the second one. Huh? And he's praying, Lord, who is it? Jesse says, these are my sons. I mean, there's, there's David. 
He's out taking care of the sheep. Send him. We're, we're staying right here. Nobody's going anywhere. Finally, David comes in. You know the brothers were upset. You know Jesse's like, come on. And here comes David. You know, there's good evidence that David was mistreated, used, abused, neglected. But God took him up. God took him up. And maybe your heart is filled with pain this morning because you're the arrow that maybe didn't get trusted into the hands of a strong archer. Jesus taught us to pray in Matthew chapter 6 after this manner, our Father which art in heaven. And so on Father's Day, Make God your father. Honor your father, your earthly father, even the position, and trust God. Let's stand to our feet. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. It's vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are the children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemy in the gate. You know, there's a question, by the way. Is that the father speaking with the enemy in the gate or is that the children does it matter i think that's the point the children continue on in the life well lived of the parents a strong vibrant society after the lord father we love you we thank you for our fathers we honor and lord it is our greatest privilege to call you Father. Father, thank you for saving us, redeeming us. Lord, help us to be good fathers, good parents. I pray that we could be that, that mighty man, that, that archer, that we could be straight arrows and we could have a sure shot. And that, Lord, we could do our due diligence for you and our country and the generation in which we live. We love you and we want to live for you. Thank you for our fathers in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening and we hope you were helped by that message from Pastor Brad Wells. Reach out to us anytime at gracewaydc.com or visit us in person Sundays at 11, Thursdays at 7. Until next time, this has been Graceway Baptist Church on Capitol Hill, helping you make a difference.